Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. It, uh, I didn't write down. Oh, yes, I did. I wrote down the date. It's 6 October, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And it's amazing that it's October and it's still, what, uh, 472 degrees outside. But the people up north, some of them emailed me. Their temperatures were as high as 100 over the past couple of days. And the next day it was down in the 60s. So they got their break, but we have not gotten ours. So We'll just see whenever, I always say the 15th of October, and I know that's usually pretty hopeful, but we'll see what happens. Um, let's see, we got a, uh, a note from, John Carlson wants to honor his father-in-law and thank him for all the inspiration and wisdom over the years, and his daughter Dorothy and granddaughters Vivian and Liesel all wish him a happy birthday. And uh, that's for uh, a guy that attends online, John Nyberg. And uh, so I'll send him my also happy birthday, even though I already did by Facebook uh, a couple days ago. And uh, he's a good guy. But uh, she said, I wish I could add something funny and to say, but I can't think of anything right now. And my thought was, just look at my face. And there you've got something funny, John. So anyway, happy birthday to you. And uh, our first category, as always, is from Israel. And from Israel Hayom, Media Watchdog, this is just typical, it's a typical article, you've heard this type of thing before, but just to keep you apprised on how things are going in the world, only three of 149 terror attacks in Israel in August are reported by the BBC. The BBC reported only three out of 149 terrorist attacks against Israel in August, and none of the seven rocket attacks from the Gaza Strip. The Shin Bet security agency's report on terror attacks during August shows that throughout the month, a total of 149 incidents took place, including 97 in Judea and Samaria, 25 in Jerusalem and inside the Green Line, and 26 in the Gaza Strip region. In Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem, the agency recorded 95 attacks with petrol bombs, 14 attacks using pipe bombs, 5 attacks uh, from arson, Two shooting attacks, two stabbing attacks, one attack using a grenade, and one vehicular attack. Now, the reason why I decided to include this article wasn't just that BBC isn't reporting these things, is that I want you to be apprised of what the people in Israel have to go through day unto day. Now, I understand we have terror attacks in America, and we have lunatics that go and shoot people, and all kinds of crazy things that happen. But we don't normally think of that other than when we're carrying a gun and we want to protect the people around us. We just think I'm going, going out shopping. They have to think of this type of thing all the time. It is always there. It's a present reminder to them that they're living in a place where they are not loved. So, incidents recorded in the Gaza Strip sector included nine attacks with petrol bombs, three attacks with pipe bombs, one attack using a grenade, three shooting attacks, and seven incidents of rocket fire, none reported by BBC. Two people were murdered and eight wounded in attacks during the month. The BBC News website reported the 7 August murder of Devere Sorek the following day, but no follow-up reporting was seen until over two weeks later. The murder of Rina Schnerb and injury of two additional civilians in an IED attack on August 23rd was reported, an incident that took place on the border with the Gaza Strip on August 1st and resulted in injuries to three members of the security forces did not receive any BBC coverage. 
A stabbing attack in Jerusalem in which a police officer was wounded on August 15th was not reported. A vehicular attack in Gush Etzion the next day in which two civilians were injured was ignored at the time, but referred to in a report a week later. None of the seven separate incidents of rocket fire from the Gaza Strip during August received any coverage on the BBC News website. Now, that's not even BBC News on the TV. Their website, which all they have to do is just post it. They didn't even do that. So it's very biased up there. Between January and August, the BBC News reported 25.7% of the terror attacks which took place and 80% of the resulting fatalities. Four of those eight months saw no reporting on terrorism against Israelis whatsoever. So there you go, keeping up with the Times. From the Times of Israel, fringe Jewish sect Lev Tahor seeks asylum in Iran. Now, just so you know, Lev Tahor, Lev means heart, Tahor means pure, so they're the pure hearts. They're one of those sects that wears the little black hats and the squiggly hair and all that. Anyway, the reason why I included this is so that we can consider that this falls under Isaiah 36, 22. Yet not for your sake, O house of Israel. Okay. Lev Tahor, a French Haredi sect, has requested political asylum from the Iranian government. In its request, the group declared their loyalty and submission to the supreme leader and government of the Islamic Republic of Iran. It asked for asylum, protection, and religious freedom of the family of its loyal members and also calls for cooperation and help to counter Zionist dominance in order to peacefully liberate the Holy Land and the Jewish nation. So they're actually saying, we want the Jews expelled from Israel, and you know, but they claim that they're Jewish people. The request was a part of a batch of documents, here it is, filed in U.S. federal court last week ahead of trials against five Lev Tahor members on charges of kidnapping, child abuse, and identity theft. Lev Tahor, which has about 230 members, relocated to Guatemala from Canada in 2014 following allegations of mistreatment of its children, including abuse and child marriages. Arranged marriages between teenagers and older cult members are reported to be common. The group shuns technology and its female members wear black robes from head to toe, leaving only their faces exposed. So they look like Muslim women when they're walking around, except the uh, thing over their eyes or over their nose and showing their eyes. But these people are not uncommon. This is just one of a fringe cult. But I had the person actually built this church for us, lived in Key West for years. And when he lived down there, he said that the Haredi Jews were the ones that were in charge of all of the cocaine and heroin drug trafficking down there. So they'd act very pious. They'd act like they were, you know, followers of the Lord, but they were the ones that did all of the the, uh, bad stuff down there. And, you know, they take drugs in the afternoon and go to synagogue on Sunday or whatever. So you can't look at people and say, oh, they're holy because of this or that or how they appear. You need to look at people and understand that they are doing bad things and that they are bad people. All right. That's something that it's a category mistake that way too many people make, especially concerning Jewish people. But we do it with other people as well. We see Buddhist monks and we say, oh, they must be holy men when they're doing the same thing. They're selling drugs. They're, you know, got uh, prostitution rings going and everything like that. And we see it as well in Christianity. You know, we see it in pastors that do all kinds of perverse things with children. We see it with the Catholics, especially the uh, priests and the uh, bishops and stuff. So we just want to be careful where we consider people to be 
people of good standing. All right. Look at the heart. Don't look at people's outward appearances. All right. From the Times of Israel, Florida County passes resolution opposing Israel boycotts. Good job. Surprisingly, though, it's uh, Broward County, which is hugely liberal, but they have a giant Jewish presence down there, so I can see them doing this, just not to upset the locals. But a county commission in southeastern Florida unanimously passed a resolution opposing the BDS movement against Israel. The Broward County Commission passed the resolution at a meeting on September 24th. The commission said in the four-page resolution that it opposes the BDS movement targeting Israel, including all efforts to delegitimize the state of Israel and efforts to target U.S. companies that are engaged in legal commercial activities. And here it is, urges Israelis and Fakistinians to return to direct negotiations as the only way to achieve an end to the Israeli-Fakistinian conflict. That is incorrect. It doesn't matter what they do to appease these people. They will always hate Israel, and they will always attempt to destroy Israel. That is their sworn vows. It also notes that the BDS movement effectively seeks to destroy the state of Israel as a homeland to the Jewish people and seeks to establish one or two Fakistinian majority states, which is true. So there you go with that. From Christian News, I entitled this section Dopiness, but uh, we'll get to the articles in just a second. Uh, Before I do, I'd like to tell you that uh, I often bring him up during prophecy updates and during Bible studies and the like is uh, Isaac Nemugera, who's over in Uganda. He's got a ministry, and at times he'll need money for something, and I will make an appeal for him. Um, He Finally, he had troubles with his laptop and other things, but he finally finished his 2018 report. It is very detailed. I've always said this about this guy. He details every penny that comes in, and he sends you a receipt with every single thing that he bought with that. He's the most thorough person I've ever dealt with that is out in the mission fields. And if you want that uh, 2018 report for any reason— You can email me, and I will send that to you. I have it. So just send me an email. If you don't need it, that's fine. You'll save me sending out a lot of emails. But if you want to see that for any reason, where your money went, how it was spent, and what he is doing in Africa for the people that he tends to, there it is. Okay, our first uh, article is from Mail Online. The dope calls for people to give up using adjectives as he declares, I am allergic to these words. Now, this is a little bit crazy here. This is going over the deep end, but there is an agenda behind it, which I didn't even think through, and I'll talk about that later in the uh, Prophecy Update. In a speech, Francis hit out at the culture of adjectives and adverbs. He hailed use of nouns and said that the word Christian should be used alone. Francis had been addressing the dicastery for communication in the Vatican. All right, now consider that, think on it. Why would he say something like that? And then I'll give you an analysis a little later. From Breitbart, Dope Francis endorses essay trashing U.S. conservative Christians. Well, this kind of leads right in with what he was talking about with the uh, use of adjectives and adverbs. The Dope has publicly endorsed an essay that appeared in 2017 criticizing relations between evangelicals and Catholics in the United States as an ecumenism of hate. La Civita Catholica Journal released the transcript of a meeting between the dope and a group of 24 Jesuits on September 5th. During his recent trip to Mozambique, in which the dope suggested that certain evangelical Protestants in the U.S. cannot really be defined as Christian. He'd be talking about all of you in this church right now as well. I want you to know that. To an 
important articles in Civilita Catholica have been published in this regard. I recommend them to you. This is the Pope saying this. They were written by Father Spadaro and the Argentinian Presbyterian pastor Marcelo Figueroa. The first article spoke of the ecumenism of hatred. The second was the theology of prosperity. Reading them, you will see that there are sects that cannot really be defined as Christian. I would agree with the prosperity gospel. If you are preaching the prosperity gospel, you should probably not be considered a sound Christian. You may be saved, but you are heading down the way wrong path in your doctrine. But they preach Christ, yes, but their message is not Christian. It has nothing to do with the preaching of a Lutheran or any other serious evangelical Christianity. I think he's using adjectives there, isn't he? I think he just used some adjectives. In the first essay recommended by the dope, the authors who are both friends of Francis slammed conservative Christians in the United States as ignorant, theocratic, Manichaean, warmongering fanatics. He's speaking of all of you right now. He is demeaning you. For the evangelical right, the authors proposed the panorama of threats to the American way of life have included modernist spirits, the black civil rights movement, the hippie movement, communism, feminist movements, and so on. And now in our day, there are the migrants and the Muslims. The authors did not hesitate to suggest that many evangelicals are southern racists who reject climate change. Okay, now think of what he just said, because he's saying that we are the ones that are against these things. He's saying these things must be okay if we're against them. Okay, modern spiritists. So he's defending modern spiritists over conservative Christianities. The next one is the black civil rights movement. Okay, we'll leave that one alone because in America we should all be on one standing. If there are people that are racist or whatever, that's a completely different category. You're not going to find that in this church. You're not going to find it in 99% of the decent churches out there. So we'll leave that one alone. The hippie movement. I take exception to that personally, but we'll go on. Communism. He's defending communism over evangelical Christianities, uh, and especially conservative ones. Feminist movements. Those are the wackos on the left. They are, as Rush Limbaugh terms them, feminazis, which they are. Okay, he's defending them over you. And then he says, now migrants and the Muslims. We have never spoken against migrants in this prophecy update or in this church. We have spoken against illegal migrants. Illegal migrants, okay? If they come here legally, welcome. We've got friends that are trying to come here right now, and we welcome them. It is when somebody breaks the law and is given benefits for it at our expense, that's a real problem there. But these are the people that he is defending against you people and you people online right now as well, okay? We'll go on. It says, another interesting aspect of the relationship with creation of these religious groups that are composed of mainly of whites from the American Deep South. Ooh, the article stated, there's a sort of anesthetic with regard to ecological disasters and problems generated by climate change. They profess dominism and consider ecologists as people who are against the Christian faith, which is what they are. They're against the Christian faith. Throughout the essay, the authors criticize a string of exclusively Republican presidents as being tainted by the teachings of evangelical Protestantism. The list of those mentioned includes Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, and of course, Donald Trump. Never mind that the Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham, went and spoke to every president from the time he became a minister of any note at all. He spoke to all of them. 
Okay, he's being selective here. He's picking out Republicans, but he went and saw Bill Clinton. The only president that he did not go and see was the previous president because he knew that that person was a bad guy. Okay, other than that, he went to see everybody. He saw Carter. He saw all of them. So this is a one-sided article. This guy is, and I mean this sincerely, he is the dope. We'll go on. From uh, one of the most serious evils of American evangelical Christians, the article stated, is the defense of religious liberty, which takes the form of a direct virtual challenge to the secularity of the state. The authors went on to denounce the ecumenical alliance between conservative Catholics and evangelical Christians who align behind certain moral issues in the public square. He's telling his own people, do not align with them, and when you do, you are basically sleeping with the devil. That's what he's telling his people. You are not to, in any way, come together with evangelical Christians, even if they are right about what they're teaching. We are right about scripture, we are right about holding to the Bible, etc. But this guy is a bad guy. They are defined as value voters as far as attracting electoral mass support is concerned. This poisonous alliance over shared objectives happens around such themes as abortion, same-sex marriage, religious education in school, and other matters generally considered moral or tied to values which unite Catholics and evangelicals in the nostalgic dream of a theocratic type of state. Once again, I think he's using more adjectives there and more adverbs, but I will say this. He is saying that we have no right to take a moral stand on issues. That's what he's doing there, basically. He's saying by doing that, we are trying to make a theocratic state. Well, why do we vote? Do we vote so that we get money from the government? Do we vote so that we can abort babies? I mean, take the issues that he's speaking about. Abortion, same-sex marriage. We don't want those things. They are contrary to the values of Christianity. And so, of course, we are going to align with people that don't hold those values. This person is a very, very bad person. He is as wicked as any human being that I have ever come across. And if that offends some Catholic out there, tough. It doesn't matter to me one little bit. He's a wicked human being, and he is trying to make the one world religion, one world government at the expense of the morals of this book, the Holy Bible. I don't care what anybody thinks about how I think about Dope Francis. He's a wicked human being. At the time of its publication, the article triggered an avalanche of critical responses denouncing the ignorance and political ill will underlying the essay, and now he's endorsing it. Philadelphia Archbishop Charles Chaput, for instance, wrote a sharp criticism of the essay, saying that the authors were guilty of dumbing down and inadequately presenting the nature of Catholic evangelical cooperation on religious freedom and other key issues, dismissing today's attacks on religious liberty as a narrative of fear, as the La Civilita Catholica article does, Chaput said, sounds willfully ignorant. And that's exactly what it is. It's a willfully ignorant article, and the dope is a willfully ignorant person. He hates God, he hates Jesus Christ, and that is all there is to it, because he would not take any of the stands that he takes or say any of the things he said if he believed in this book and the person, the God that gave it to us through the person Jesus Christ. And under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it would not have happened. He is a wicked human being. From Islam today, behold, Israel says... Iran further violates the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Of course they do. Under the agreement, Iran was allowed to enrich uranium with the first series of centrifuges called the IR-1. 
Today, they're using both the second and third generation of centrifuges. The IAEA stated on 25 September 2019, the agency verified that all of the centrifuge cascades already installed in R&D lines 2 and 3 were accumulating or had been prepared to accumulate enriched uranium. They were given one line. They're using three lines. And what does EU do? Nothing. From the BBC, Iran nuclear deal. EU nations warned Tehran over breaches. They warned them. Yeah. Big deal. The EU told Iran that it would put the issue of Iranian noncompliance into the agreement's formal dispute mechanism if the next Iranian move away from the deal is significant. Tehran is due to take a fourth step on 7 November. They've taken three steps and the EU has done nothing. And the difficulty is that Iran says the steps are reversible. But if they learn about building a nuclear bomb, that is irreversible. Once the deal's dispute mechanism is triggered, both sides have 30 days to prove significant noncompliance. And if necessary, a worldwide sanctions snapback occurs. Such a move would be a huge blow to the EU, which has refused for 16 months to join the U.S. in pulling out of the deal. You wonder why our president had the foresight to do what he did, and these people are twiddling their fingers, and eventually it's going to turn into a nuclear bomb, and it will be irreversible. From El Arabiya, UAE foreign minister, the UAE, that's an Arab, folks. The Iranian nuclear deal did not correct Tehran's behavior. The UAE said that the nuclear deal should have taken into consideration the views of regional countries. Of course, our president, the previous president, did not take their opinions into view. Who knows its meaning Iran's history well. The agreement should have also addressed all aspects of Iran's behavior, including its interference in the internal affairs of states, its development of a ballistic missile program, and its provision of arms to terrorist groups, Al-Nayan said this past Saturday. He said the U.S. should have talked to us, and of course it was done by Obama, and he wouldn't talk to anybody. He was an arrogant fool when he got up there into the presidency, and he thought, I'm going to make this deal with Iran, and I'm going to be the savior of the world, or whatever delusion he was thinking of, and he has caused all kinds of trouble for this nation, for the surrounding nations, and soon to be for the whole world. From, it wasn't a mistake. It was not a mistake. That was intentional. That's right. Al-Arabiya, Bahrain. Arab country, again, supports U.S. efforts to counter Iran and its proxies, says the foreign minister. This is all from the U.N. meeting they had over the past couple of weeks. Bahrain said Iran has been practicing terrorism for decades and that the kingdom supports U.S. efforts to counter Iran and its proxies in the region, Bahraini Foreign Minister Khalifa said in his remarks to the U.N. General Assembly. So we've got people that are saying this openly now because they're not under the influence of that previous president any longer. They can say these things. They know what damage he did. From Fox, enough is enough. Saudi foreign minister warns he's an Arab again of danger of appeasing Iran. The Iranian history of the past 40 years has been one of aggression, especially against my country, Saudi State Minister of Foreign Affairs Adel Al-Juber told Fox News. Appeasing Iran has only fueled Iran's aggressive behavior. I'll read it again. It says, appeasing Iran has only fueled Iran's aggressive behavior. Saudi Arabia has said that the cruise missiles that struck two of the kingdom's key oil sites earlier this month were manufactured in Iran and came from the direction of Iranian territory. Al-Jubair promised more evidence will be made public. From Behold Israel again, President Trump doubles down on Iran. 
President Trump continues maximum pressure campaign on Iran, claims Iran wanted the U.S. to drop all sanctions before negotiating. Rouhani, it was up for a debate what sanctions will be lifted, and they had said clearly they will lift all sanctions. Trump quickly responded to his remarks, tweeting, Iran wanted me to lift the sanctions imposed on them in order to meet. I said, of course, no. Officials from outside the U.S. expect the White House to continue their maximum pressure campaign. They're a society of liars. They're a society of deceivers. They're a society of people that just want chaos throughout the Middle East from the times of Israel. Iran guards chief, destroying Israel now, not a dream, but an achievable goal. So here they're saying all these things and we want peace and we're, you know, we don't want to build bombs and everything. And their sole goal has been and always will be to destroy Israel. The commander of Iran's elite IRGC said that destroying Israel was now an achievable goal. Four decades on from Iran's Islamic revolution, we have managed to obtain the capacity to destroy the imposter Zionist regime. This sinister regime must be wiped off the map, and this is no longer a dream, but it is an achievable goal, Salami Baloney said. Salami Baloney's comments were given prominent coverage by the Tasneem and Fars news agencies close to ultra-conservative political factions. So here they're saying that openly, as they always have been, and our president did exactly the right thing in getting us out of that treaty or that JPCOA, whatever it is. He did the right thing. From the Jerusalem Post, something away from Iran. No, one more on Iran. State media in Iran. Russia indicate growing Russia-Iran-Turkey alliance. I referred to that last week. I wanted you to give the title in case you wanted to read the article from the Jerusalem Post. State media in Iran, Russia indicating growing Russia-Iran-Turkey alliance. Exactly as our good book says would happen. And then from Times of Israel, as I said, to get away from Iran for a minute, Saudi Arabia to offer tourist visas for the very first time. So get yours today, kids. Everybody off to the kingdom, okay? We've got the kingdom right in the middle of uh, the state here. A lot of people like to go there. I never go to Disney World, but that's, what do they call that? The fantasy kingdom or something? Whatever. Anyway, now you can go to the Arab kingdom. Uh, the what? Magic kingdom. That's what it's called. Disney is the magic kingdom. Thank you. From Mongolia today, from Yonhap News Service, South Korea, Mongolia, Inc. Customs deal to facilitate trade. South Korea and Mongolia signed a customs deal meant to facilitate bilateral trade, South Korea's customs agency said. The MRA for Authorized Economic Operators was inked between Kim Jong-moon, Commissioner of the Korea Customs Service, and his Mongolian counterpart in Mongolia's capital, Ulaanbaatar. The arrangement calls for each of the respective sides to speedily clear products from the other country and give priority in customs processing as well as to set up dedicated contact points to deal with complications in clearance. South Korea has an MRA with 21 countries, including the United States, China, and Japan, and now they have one with Mongolia. All right, from Daniel 12 Technology today, from Zero Hedge. This is very, very cool. I don't know if it'll ever come about, but it is a neat idea. This is not what I've talked about before. I've talked about a, an elevator into space before. You've got a satellite which is outside and you have a cable that goes all the way down to the ground and gravity keeps it in place and you just, you know, uh, take a uh, elevator up. That is possible. That's not what this is speaking of. Lunar elevator could trigger moon mining race. This is not an elevator out of the earth. This is an elevator to the moon. 
Rare earth elements and helium are just some of the resources scientists believe are abundant on the moon. The problem is how to get them here. Rockets are not cost efficient. Otherwise, we would have already colonized our natural satellite. Yet there is an alternative to rockets, and it might have just gotten doable. A lunar elevator. Two astronomy students from the University of Cambridge and Columbia University recently published a paper on invention dubbed Spaceline. A space elevator, they say, could be built with existing technology and would cost only about $1 billion, and it would be easy to build. By extending a line anchored to the moon to deep within the Earth's gravity well, we can construct a stable, traversable cable allowing free movement from the vicinity of Earth to the moon's surface. So all we have to do is get up out of the Earth's gravity, and then this cable goes from the gravity well of Earth all the way to the moon. Everybody got that? It's still suspended in the gravity well. It's not attached to the Earth, because if it was, then it would get wrapped around the Earth and we'd be like a lasso. That's not what it's speaking of, okay? Just so you see that. All right. With current materials, it is feasible to build a cable extending close to the height of geostationary orbit, allowing easy traversal and construction between the Earth and the Moon. A cable to the Moon may sound like something out of a cartoon, but they are not joking. According to their idea, travelers to the moon would fly to the end of the cable on a spacecraft and then transfer to solar-powered autonomous vehicles that would climb the cable to the moon. The cable itself could be no thicker than the lead of a pencil and made from Kevlar, which is much cheaper than other materials considered for a space elevator. Of course, the question everyone would ask is, why bother building a space elevator to the moon? The answer is, Helium-3. Many believe it is the solution to the nuclear fusion problem. That is, how to make it work. The element is scarce on Earth, but thought to be abundant on the moon, with several governments eyeing lunar mining to get their hands on it. The reason is helium-3 is potentially much more fuel efficient for nuclear fusion reactors than what researchers currently have access to here on Earth. Combined with deuterium, already used in nuclear fusion reactors, it turns into regular helium with a single proton as a byproduct, meaning a lot less energy waste than other elements. What's more, a deuterium-helium-3 fusion reaction would be much easier to contain. So that is just way cool. I'm sorry if you don't like that kind of stuff. I didn't mean to bore you there, but I really like that kind of stuff. From Revelation Plagues today, BBC, Australian Capital Territory legalizes personal cannabis use. This has become a worldwide infection. The ACT has become the first jurisdiction in the nation to legalize recreational cannabis use. Lawmakers in the territory passed a landmark bill allowing adults to possess up to 50 grams of the drug and to grow four plants at home. Personal cannabis use remains prohibited elsewhere in Australia, but medicinal use was legalized in 2016. One foot in the door, and it keeps going. Supporters say the law aims to reduce risk and stigma for users of the drug, while opponents argue it could introduce more people to harmful drug taking. New Zealand is due to hold a referendum next year on whether it should legalize the drug. And I think New Zealand will follow along with the ACT, and they'll do it. And everywhere in the world is going to be a, you know, we're, you talk about getting too much stuff into the atmosphere. we got a whole world full of potheads, and it's going to ruin the atmosphere. And then the, what are the global warming people going to do? You know, whatever. I don't know. From Zero Hedge, Piggy Bola has cost China over 140 
billion dollars as locals get angry at record high pork prices. I told you this was going to get big. I've been reporting on it, and it's gotten big. The widespread outbreak of African swine fever has caused $140 billion of direct losses, and industry expert estimates. If correct, the direct damage from the pig Ebola is far greater than the monetary damages incurred from two years of escalating trade tariffs with the United States. The shocking number was unveiled at a pig industry forum last Tuesday. The upstream and downstream of the pork industry chain, such as pig feed and catering industry, were not included in the calculation. So you've got $140 billion direct, but all of that other revenue has been lost as well, suggesting the full indirect losses from the crippling pork virus could be orders of a magnitude greater. In August, China's Consumer Price Index, which measures the prices of a select basket of consumer goods and services, rose 2.8% year-on-year. The average pork price increased 46.7% year-on-year. Even the Washington Post recently noted that the most pressing political problem facing China's leaders this week may not be the ongoing protests in Hong Kong, nor the protracted trade war with the United States. No, It is probably a shortage of pork during the Chinese zodiac year of the pig, no less, that has become so severe that the rulers of the commie party declared stabilizing pork supply and prices to be an important political task. To try to stabilize prices and feed domestic supply, the central government, listen to this, pledged to raise purchases of pork from overseas markets, including the U.S., a move which was seen as an olive branch in a trade war, but which in reality was just Beijing desperate to give the angry population what it wants. China also released 10,000 tons of pork from state reserves last week to cope with a supply shortfall ahead of the week-long National Day holiday. Although not only did the move fail to put a dent on the soaring price of pork, it was instantly absorbed as it represented less than two hours of pork needed across China. 10,000 tons of pork took care of two hours of supply. That is a problem. From morality today, Judicial Watch. Obama judge rules Medicaid must pay for transgender sex reassignment surgery. Yep. An Obama-appointed federal judge is forcing Wisconsin taxpayers to provide costly sex reassignment surgery and hormonal procedures for low-income transgender residents who get free medical care from the government. In a recently issued ruling, U.S. District Judge William N. Conley writes that Medicaid, the publicly funded insurance that covers 65.7 million poor people, cannot deny the medical treatment needs of those suffering from gender dysphoria. Officials estimate it will cost up to $1.2 million annually to provide transgender Medicaid recipients in the Badger State with treatments such as gender confirmation surgery, including elective mastectomies, hysterectomies, and I'm sorry, I'm just not going to say that, and breast augmentation. It has to do with... The intricate operations are typically done by plastic surgeons okay so these people can get those things done but if you want to have anything done to you that is life needing such as a mastectomy for breast cancer and you have insurance guess what you pay your deductible and then your insurance picks it up and eventually you end up paying for it anyway so it's just this is a really really sad world that we're living in where we allowed the people of this nation to get to such a moral state where they would elect a person like Barack Obama to the 
presidency and that we're suffering for it and we will continue to suffer for it for years and years and years to come. And this is a moral failing, I hate to say it, of the Christian church that isn't willing to preach the Bible, isn't willing to take it in context. Everything is fluff. Everything is just out in the wind and it doesn't, where's my theology today? I'll lick my finger and I'll hold it up and see how many people I can get to come to my church. Then it becomes a problem with the church allowing this to happen and people fall away because religion no longer means anything. And I'm talking about true religion. LifeSite, Australian state passes bill allowing abortions up to birth. Pro-abortion politicians hug and cheer. I posted this on Facebook. I was so upset. The controversial law allows abortions for any reason up to 22 weeks and up to birth with the permission of two doctors and a hospital committee, which means it's just going to be a blank slate from then on out. From Fox, Nancy Pelosi says abortion bans ignore basic morality. Yes. From Life News, Hillary Clinton wins pro-abortion lifetime achievement award, calls killing babies a human right. And from People Magazine, Judge Rules, Michigan Adoption Agencies uh, can refuse LGBTQ LMNOP couples. Thank goodness. Now, that will be contested. That will go up to the United States Supreme Court. I'm certain of that. But thank goodness for a little bit of reason at the end of a very disappointing morality section today. From our other news, Zero Hedge, nearly half of America's homeless people live in, yes, California. She got it. Not only do nearly half of America's homeless people live in California, but four of the five American cities with the greatest incidences of unsheltered homelessnesses are in the Golden State. As California becomes a mecca for socialism, their quality of life diminishes along with it in a characteristic dystopian decline. San Francisco, L.A., Santa Rosa, and San Jose are four of the five cities with the highest amount of homelessness. Seattle joins the California municipalities in the top five. The District of Columbia's homeless rate is 5.8 times higher than the U.S. rate. New York is next, followed by Hawaii, Oregon, and California. These five states together comprise 20% of the overall U.S. population, but 45% of the country's homeless population. Leave it up to liberals to mess up everything, to ruin lives. Leave it up to them. From the, And, you know, they leave these states because they don't like what's going on, and they come to Florida and they vote yeah, liberal. Harold Mail. There are so many homeless camps, L.A. area leaders want Newsom to issue a state of emergency. Why would he do that? What happens when you issue a state of emergency? The U.S. government steps in. The latest proposal from L.A. County Supervisor Mark Thomas and City Councilman Joe Buscayano, or I don't know, whatever, would have the governor declare a state of emergency on homelessness in California. Supporters view such a declaration as a novel strategy to free up state and federal funding typically reserved for natural disasters such as earthquakes or wildfires and to suspend or streamline the regulatory hurdles that often slow down shelter and housing development. Does anybody think that that money will be used wisely? No. Absolutely not. It could also block NIMBY opponents, not in my backyard, NIMBY opponents from using environmental reviews to sue and delay or block homeless facilities from opening. But some question whether an emergency declaration would be merely symbolic. 
given President Trump's rejections of more federal funding and Governor Gavin Newsom's commitment of $1 billion for local homeless programs and support for more regulatory relief. Last week, Newsom signed a package of legislation that, among other things, exempts from environmental review supportive housing and shelter projects in the city of L.A. that receive funding from certain public sources, including the $1.2 billion Proposition HHH housing bond that voters approved in 2016. Just take your state and run it right into the ground and bring everybody else down with you when you do it. From CBS Local, organized retail theft on the rise. Well, who would have thought that would happen? Cops blame Proposition 47, Safe Neighborhoods Law. They say anything that's under $500 it's stolen is a misdemeanor. All you can get is a ticket, and you can go your way without being arrested. Did anybody not see this coming? Anybody? Listen to this. You've likely seen the videos on social media or the local news. Groups of people rushing into a store, grabbing armfuls of merchandise. The brazen crimes are on the rise, and in most cases, the crooks get away from authorities. Police say these suspects often target stores with easy access to getaway cars and with easy access on and off major freeways because crooks know most department policies won't risk the dangers of a high-speed chase over a misdemeanor citation. They know the law. Donaldson said, one of the first things they ask us is, can I just get a ticket so I can be on my way? He explained many suspects know theft under, oh, it's $950. Under $950 is now a misdemeanor, meaning most get a written citation, a court date, and are released. And they just go in and steal almost $1,000 worth of stuff. As long as they don't go over that, they get a ticket and they'll get a slap on the wrist and they'll be back doing it again next week. From Zero Hedge, nobody saw that coming. I'm certain of that. Nobody saw that coming. Zero Hedge says, Congress greenlight sale of F-35 fleet to Poland. Warsaw officials seek lower price. Good job, President Trump. Polish defense minister, and I cannot pronounce this. I mean, some I could get close. I'm sorry. Celebrated congressional approval of the sale of 32 new F-35 fighters jets to Poland. The U.S. Congress has approved selling 32 new fifth-generation F-35 jets. The initial contract is worth $6.5 billion. However, Poland has said it will begin negotiations to bring the price tag significantly lower, perhaps closer to what Belgium recently paid for the same number of F-35s, just over $4 billion. That's fine. That's how you do it. You negotiate. And what they do, I know because I did this in the military for three years in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, is what's called um, co-development. You... Sell them a jet. It's superior to everything else in the world, but it's more expensive. Okay, and so what do you do? You give them a chance to build parts of those jets in the home country. The ailerons in uh, the F-16s were made in Bandung, Indonesia. They get the technical expertise. They get the revenue. They get employees. They get all kinds of benefits by doing this. And so they co-develop parts all over the world. Okay, and we do that with all kinds of military things because our products are normally superior People can't afford them. So that's what I did for three years over in Malaysia. So we had little co-development places all over Southeast Asia. And we would just contract this and that and one thing and another. People would make the contracts and we would monitor their, for example, development of the ailerons. We'd go in and inspect them and we do our little reports and we get a nice trip to Bandung, Indonesia, whatever. Okay, but there you go. That's how that can come about. We'll go on. The package includes 33 
Pratt & Whitney F-135 afterburning turbofans, as well as advanced communications, navigation, and logistics systems. The deal, which has brought the scrutiny and condemnation of Moscow, comes amid a massive $48.5 billion Polish defense overhaul to greatly modernize the East European nation's defenses, which currently is heavily stocked with aging Soviet-era Su-22 and MiG-29 fighters. The now fully approved F-35 sale comes also as efforts to establish a Fort Trump U.S. military base in Poland are underway. And after Trump and Duda finalized an agreement this week to send 1,000 additional American troops to the large U.S. allied country bordering Russia. Our president is doing the right thing in many ways as he deals with these people. And people just... They, they pass him off as a buffoon. They say he's a traitor and et cetera, et cetera. He is looking out for the best of this nation. From Mail Online, experimental German radar. We just talked about the F-35. Why is it such a good plane? Can't be seen, right? Uh-oh. Experimental German radar tracked two U.S. F-35 stealth jet for 100 miles after lying in wait on a pony farm to catch them flying home from the air show. Radar is designed with sensors and processors capable of tracking F-35 jets. It works observing electromagnetic emissions in the atmosphere. Then it will read how signals are bouncing off airborne objects. German radar maker said the system tracked the two U.S. jets for nearly 100 miles. Okay, I got a lesser here for you. Let's see if you can figure out what he's talking about. The great hope doesn't care for the word to pretend that he does is absurd. He's a man of renown, bringing adjectives down, and in doing, he fleeces God's herd. Good job. And here are the insights I promised you on what the dope had said. This is from Les. He sent this comment along with the uh, Lesric. When reading and writing on the above, it caused me to meditate on what exactly he is or isn't doing with this nonsense. And then it occurred to me how diabolical it actually is. If Christian should be used alone, it means in theory there is no such thing as a born-again Christian. To the degree that the directive is followed, it takes the term out of the vocabulary of would-be Catholic converts. And who's to say that after this dictate, the Christians, you know, the born-again kind, are fined and or jailed for speaking Christianese in anything other than nouns, no superlatives, no setting the Trinitarian members apart so that we could be treated like the rest of our brethren, you know, the homophobic ones, the ones that are employing hate speech because they refer to a transgender as sir or ma'am instead of cousin it. I'm glad you shared this as a lesser challenge Perhaps the greatest challenge of all was writing something that spoke my mind yet sanitized enough as to not offend any of that superior audience of yours. And I don't think any of them would be offended. That was brilliant insight by him. Absolutely brilliant. You know, he's a pastor. Just so you know, you keep him in prayer for his job. And uh, we'll just remember less when we're saying our normal prayers for missionaries and otherwise. I've got a couple ironies here for you. Mail online. Lifelong vegetarian eats entire vegan lasagna on a flight, only to find that she was given meat version. But <laughs> air steward shrugs and says she should have noticed when she complains. So that's pretty funny. I think that's rather funny. That's a good stewardess. I like her. I got a couple stewardesses that are friends of mine, and one of them attends here on the Superior Word, and we have lunch down at the uh, 
the uh, Thai restaurant from time to time, and she's not a vegan. And maybe it was her that said that. You should have noticed. Anyway, Kamala Harris asks audience if America's ready for her presidency. The crowd shouts out, no. <laughs> Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. And this is a superior word, including you out there. And that's your Prophecy Update for the week.